You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. I want to uh, really genuinely again welcome you uh, to a new year in the furnace. We're so glad that each one of you are a part. We're so glad that each one of you are here. It's going to be a phenomenal year. Um, we've had really thousands and thousands of young men and women across America take this vow that God's called us to live out. And you guys, this team, this tribe, is authentically committed to living it out day in and day out. More than just the moment where we take the vow, where we take it, seal it, and be done. But we want to be a group of people that really call each other to it every day. We're going to be a tribe that actually goes for it. And so I, I, want, to, I want to really, first of all, before we even get into this process, again, say thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part. Thank you for coming here. There's a few things that, that I really want you to hear. And I... I I want to just get in your brain, just implement it so strong to where you're able to repeat it, you're able to articulate it, you're able to say it. If someone were to ask you on the street or if a kid were to ask you it on one of the tours or at the tag retreat or the mill retreat, if you're in the furnace, we're, it's our prayer that not only are you obviously able to articulate it, but that you're living it. So it would go to say that you're able to at least say it. But these core values are really a big deal to us. We want to live in desperate pursuit of God. And the tangible way that we're going to actually call you, not just call you, but actually have an accountability system to find out if you're doing it, is we want each one of you to spend time alone with God every single day. Next week, we'll have a big brown box right here. You'll fill out a card. Uh, and every week, you'll just fill out a card. It's just a, an accountability tool to say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. Diligent prayer, you're going to go to three prayer meetings a week, three two-hour prayer meetings a week. Consecrated heart, we're going to intentionally forego some of the things of the planet, some of the things of the world, in order to be consecrated, in order to be holy. So some of you are giving up, what's the TV shows on Thursday nights? The Office, some of you are giving up The Office this year. Some of you are giving up girlfriends this year. Some of you are giving up boyfriends this year. Some of you are giving, some of you are like, yeah, all of the above, all right. You're giving up a lot. But our hope is that it's not a set of legalist, kind of legalistic rules, but out of this hunger for God, that it will be, it will, it, that, that giving up these things will accelerate your pursuit. Lastly, obviously, you know, focus life. We want to all fulfill the call of God on our lives. We want to see the kingdom of God advanced on the earth today. And this is kind of the great moment for us, you know? If you're Mel Gibson, this is the moment where our face is painted blue. You know, this is the moment where we're, we're looking at each other and we're screaming and, and, it, and it feels like there's high intensity, there's high passion, there's a lot of camaraderie, there's, there's, it's early on in the battle and this is the day where we say, hey, let's go for it, you know? If you're Denzel, this is the moment where we're singing the song, you know? We are the titans, the mighty, mighty titans. We've got the game ahead of us, but we're ready to sing. We're singing. This is the moment where we're quacking. This is the moment where we're really, really enthusiastic and we're saying, hey, let's go for it. Let's give it everything. This is, this is day one in the furnace. I'd say that really year one and year two is all the blue paint, the quack phase. Put that on a poster in your room. The furnace, blue face and quacking. 
Because realistically, where I want to where I want to go tonight is this: is that more than where we're at tonight, my passion, my desire, is for where you're going to be seven years from now. You know, so you, you'll probably be in your mid twenties. And realistically, we've had the furnace going out for this will be our seventh year here. We're entering our seventh year. And, and there's, there's many that have gone before you that have said this. They've committed to these things. They've decided, I'm going to give my life to this vein. I'm going to go for it. Signed up. Dated the vow. Went for it. And realistically, I want to, I want to encourage you and I want to tell you that this isn't just a cakewalk. This isn't just, hey, we signed up and we're going to go for it. And seven years from now, it's going to be a battle just like it is now. And the decisions that you make now will dictate where you will be in seven years. Now, in seven years, some of you are going to have a heart that's growing more and more in love with God. Some of you are going to have a greater degree of hunger to pray. Some of you are going to have great prayer lives. Some of you are going to really be set apart for the kingdom. And you're going to be fulfilling the whole will of God in your generation. It's going to be awesome. And inevitably, in a, in a group this size, there's going to be some of you that are going to be far off from that. You're going to start well, but not finish well. Tonight, I want to talk about how how we sustain how we continue to pursue and with my hope that over the next two years or year however long you're here three years four years five i don't know that you'll develop the disciplines that help you for a lifetime of pursuits second corinthians chapter four let me read this for you verse one therefore since through god's mercy we have this ministry we do not lose hearts Say, lose heart. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you this evening. And we're so eager to be your people, God. Holy Spirit, we want so much to know you in an intimate way. God, we want so much to have the promises of God and the dreams of God and the things of God be alive in us. God, we want to demonstrate what it means to be a people that are full-hearted, living in the most wealthy, entertainment-driven culture in the history of the world. And God, we ask that you would give us a divine grace and a divine empowerment. In the name of Jesus, amen. Here's Paul, and right here he's talking, he says, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. I think it's kind of interesting to imagine Paul losing heart, you know? And some of us, we kind of relate to this. and We kind of go, yeah, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lose heart. I want to be like Paul and not lose heart. But I want to tell you what Paul's talking about when he says, I don't want to lose heart. When you look at the lifestyle that he has, it's quite a bit different than some of ours. Skip forward to verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. <laughs> that means literally, like, beat down. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we are alive, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. It's not, that's not like theoretical. Like, this is like we are given over to death, like we think we're going to die over and over again, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. 
So then, death is at work in us, but life at work is at work in you. Skip down to verse 16. Again, therefore, we do not lose heart. He says the same phrase. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Sometimes when I think about where we're at in our situation right now, in terms of not losing heart over the long haul, it's it's not so much where the early church was when they were trying to maintain passion or sustain fervency to not lose hearts. I mean, for them... Outward circumstance was primarily the thing that was going to cause them to be detoured, to go a different direction. I mean, when you, when, when, when you're literally being whipped for your faith, when you're literally shipwrecked, when you're literally being fed to lions, when, you know, in, in Acts 12 too, James is literally beheaded. <laughs> I mean, that kind of circumstance, it's easy to lose heart. I mean, you look at the guy that's whipping you like, all right, all right, all right, enough, okay, I give up. You know? All right, don't feed me to the lions. All right, don't chop my head off. I mean, outward circumstance that says, man, it's easy to like, let's just give up. Let's just kind of calm this thing down a little bit. I mean, if you're Paul and Silas and you're thrown into a prison for your faith, it's easy to just say, let's, let's just calm this thing down. Taking Jesus to the Gentiles was a little more difficult than we expected when we originally set out to expand the kingdom. And though Jesus did tell us that all authority had been given to us, it turns out to be pretty difficult. And so, therefore, let's feel justified to kind of calm down our passion, chill out a little bit, and lose just a little bit of heart. After all, we are wasting away outwardly for sure. I mean, Paul, those bruises look bad on you, James. (laughs) You look better with the head. I mean, realistically... Things were better and easier back then. But when we look at our circumstance, you as a 21-year-old, you as a 25-year-old, and you're looking out where you're at in your journey, I don't think that in our day it's so much living in a nation that's free, living in the most wealthy country, you know, ever, living in a time where it's, it's easy really to flourish. I, I really don't, feel that those are the same circumstances for us. It's not outward circumstance that caused us to lose heart. For us, it's internal temptations. In your time and in your day, in our journey, in our life, in our pursuit of God, the thing that's going to keep us from desperate pursuit of God, the thing that's going to cause us to lose heart, it's really more about internal temptations. The thing that the enemy wants to destroy us with. An internal loss of faith. An internal loss of faith. Where the enemy comes to you and says, come on now. Is really spending time with God every day, is that really valuable? Is that really the best use of your time? Or is it a religious discipline that spiritual leaders within church institutions tell you to do? 
Come on, spending time alone with God every day, studying the scriptures, opening up the word of God. Is that really encountering a living person or is that just a religious discipline? I mean, after all, how much experience have you really had? Maybe those others are liars. Maybe the people that talk about encountering God in a secret place are liars, exaggerators. The temptation of the enemy in our journey, for most of us, now some of you, you may have been beat down pretty hard, but for most of us, it's internal temptation and it's internal lies. In the same way that the enemy would lie to Eve in the garden and say, did God really say, the Lord has said things to you, he's promised things to you, he's spoken to you. And the enemy comes to you and says, did God really tell you to spend time alone with everybody? Did God really offer those promises? I'll come to you and Diligent prayer. Oh, wow. Come on, does prayer really matter? Is it, is it not more whatever will be will be? And after all, you're one person within six billion on the planet, and how much do your little silent meditations actually matter? You're going to repeat back to God what he told you to say, and you're going to think that that really establishes something, in, uh, something on the earth? Come on. Internal temptation. Internal lie. Usually it's not external for us. Holiness, consecrated unto God. Oh, now, there's a relative concept. According to who? According to what? And inevitably the enemy comes to you, and without question, over time, all right, let's calm down a little bit, and let's just figure out what it means to be consecrated and holy, and the lie eventually comes that it's relative to culture. It's relative to your time zone, the era you're living in, the culture you're a part of, or the or 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 for sure it's legalism that someone interpreted the scriptures a certain way, put them upon you, and now you are forced to live in a legalistic law that some preacher placed on you. Focus life. What, after all, does it matter how you live? Come on. Isn't God going to do what God's going to do? And who cares if you fulfill the medical missionary calling or you fulfill giving away the, the dollars that the Lord's called you to give or plant the church he called you to plant or write the book he called you to write or sing the song he called you to sing? I mean, after all, if you don't, maybe somebody else will. And after all, what does it really matter? And, and at phase one, I mean, you're 21 years old, and you're like, man, I'm going to give my life to these things. I'm going to go for it with all my heart. But the scheme of the enemy, the lie of the enemy, the thing that the enemy wants to do over the next seven years in your life is come and lie to you about these ideas. And the enemy doesn't come to you and say, hey, let's try to get the passionate furnaceite to go into you know, immorality or go into some massive sin. No, the thing that the enemy will come to you is you say, let's just calm it down, sister. Let's just calm down a little bit. And I, I'm just telling you that as we begin this journey together, face is blue. Accountability leaders in your face. Feel radical. All time. I'm reading books. Broke up with my boyfriend. I'm radical. 
and we've created, I've created these external things that are just like little props to try to get us in the position to where we can receive and encounter God. I'm telling you that over the next decade, over the next years, what really matters is not really to me where you end up this February. It's where you're at, 2014, 2021. And realistically, you can kind of erase what I said matters to me because it really doesn't matter what I think. What matters is where are you with God 10 years from now and then ultimately where are you when you stand before him one day? Friends, we live in a time where there is a war against fervency. The enemy wants to put fervency out wants to extinguish it. Ardent, fervent, passionate desire for God is one of the primary things that the enemy wants to take out. Why? Why does he want you to lose heart? Why does the enemy want you to calm down? Well, because we know that it's the very thing that Jesus said he desired above all things. We know, Matthew 22, you know this very well. You've probably memorized this since you were in children's church. You know, verse 15, one group comes up and says, hey, what's the greatest law? Verse 22, someone else, another group comes up, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest? They're all coming to tempt him. Pharisees come, then the Sadducees come, and they're all coming to trick him. They're not coming as, you know, real students that just really want to hear him. They come with a motive involved. Finally, the teacher of the law comes up to Jesus and says, hey, what's the greatest commandment? And really what he's saying is, okay, you've developed a little following here, Jesus, this young rabbi from Galilee, pretty impressive, not bad. But realistically, let's try to see how well he does. So tell me, what's the greatest commandment? When he comes to him, he's talking, it, he's talking law talk. Jesus doesn't respond with law talk. He doesn't talk about the laws of Moses, the Ten Commandments. He looks back at him and says, I'll tell you what it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. He says, do you want to know what I'm looking for from a human being? I want love in their hearts. That's what I desire. That's what I'm after. More than the external religious rules, I want, I want desire. In fact, they may even fall short. In fact, I'm going to demonstrate a life in front of you where I lift the face of the adulterous woman and tell her to go and sin no more. And I'm going to demonstrate to you, even in front, while I'm on the cross, I'm going to look at a thief who has zero righteousness, but it, with his dying breath says, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And I'm going to tell a guy who has had zero righteousness, I'm going to look him in the face, and I'm going to say, you'll be with me today in paradise. Why? Because really what I'm looking for, I'm the savior of the planet. I'm the one that's going to redeem the world. I'm the one that's going to crush Satan under my feet. I'm the one that's going to raise from the dead on the third day, and he's going to be toast forever and ever. And what I want more than anybody keeping any law is I want passionate, fervent love burning in the hearts of individual people. That's what I want. And then he says, and actually, if that exists, they'll keep all the law. It's the nature of love. 
Demonstrated love proves is proven by actually keeping the law. But Jesus says, but even when they fall short, what's greater to me than keeping the law is love. And there will be even people that do not keep the whole law but possess love, and they please me. That's a new day. It's an intriguing thing coming from God incarnate, Jesus. So you want to know what the enemy wants to do in your journey? Calm me down. Slow me down. Some of you will be through philosophical discussions. Some of it will be because of bitterness towards church institutions. Some of you will be because of theology debates. Some of you about money and the way that some people don't do with money what you want them to do. It does, it does not matter to the enemy if he can get you to turn down your fervency. Fire that burned bright can start to grow you. That's what he wants. And our call is not to develop a theology of why it's okay to live passionless Christianity. Our call is not to develop new rules that will make will prop us up and make us believe that we're living that way when realistically we're we're not. We don't possess fervency. Our call is never to call. It's right to paint your face blue and go for it. It's right to look at the journey ahead and say, I'll give don't let any naysayer tell you otherwise. It's right. But where we have to be is we have to do the things necessary over the next decade to sustain passion, to sustain fervency. Because man, it's my desire that each one of you, when you walk out of here, you have lived for a couple years in a religious discipline in which you know the on-ramps to go there. You're going to have good days and bad days. I mean, you're going to have days where things are good, and I mean, Brandon Bustamante is singing the choruses of God, and you feel a skip in your heart, and you're so glad you broke up with that ugly boy, and life feels good, and it was right, and you're like, yeah, I'm on track. And the prayer meetings are anointed, and your accountability group guys are cool, and there's going to be moments where you're going to be reading the book and getting the best stuff, and you're going to be buying highlighters, and you're going to be like, I like this. And there's going to be moments where you're sitting in the prayer meeting, and for the first time, the Bible's coming alive to you, and that's good. And there's going to be moments where someone's going to be screaming in a microphone up here at a decimal level, a decimal level that hurts your ears, and you can't stand them. There's going to be moments where the worship leader is so off-key, you are dying to be watching The Office. There's going to be moments where your accountability leader is going to look at you and, 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 and say the wrong thing, and you're going to be like, that was wrong, you're crazy, and you have bad breath to boot. And there's going to be the frustration of these little structures that we've created. But my hope is that these little structures won't become either the prop or the thing that trips you up because the only thing it is is a little scaffolding to help your heart connect with God. And 20 years from now, 10 years from now, 
seven years from now. body being beat down. So outwardly I'm wasting away. And you will be wasting away in 20 years. I promise. 20 years your eyes go bad. You all develop a little more right here. You have more wrinkles. Your children will be pulling on you. It'll be different. And though outwardly you're wasting away, yet there's a song in your heart you're singing. Inwardly, there's a fire that no prison, no million dollars, no success, no failure, no individual can put out. There's a fire that's growing. It's intriguing when you look even through church history of the people that cultivated authentic passion for God. Most of them, most of them accelerated their love for Jesus in hard times. Paul in prison really comes to grips with who he is and where he's going. And his most like passionate moments of being poured out like a drink offering are in prison. It's interesting. I know in my own journey, man, when days are good, things are happening. You know? Church is growing. Things are looking good. We're wheeling and dealing. Everybody's happy. It's easy to allow the heart to when it's hard. When you face adversity, that's the moment where what's really in you gets tested. Some of you, what's in you is going to be tested these next couple of years because you're going to be so busy with everything else. And you're going to have to fight for every quiet time. You're going to have to fight for every prayer meeting. You're going to have to fight to read books. I mean, the furnace isn't like, hey, let's do the furnace when they're in sixth grade and they got all kinds of time on their hands. This is right now. This is in, right now. I mean, college years, 21 years old. This is when you are busy, busy, busy. You're trying to go to college. You're trying to work just to, like, survive and pay rent for an apartment room that you are already $600 in debt for that you wish you wouldn't got because of mice. I mean, you're, you, money's hard, school's hard, you're not sure what you're, you're going to do with your life, and you've already been broken up with three times. And so you're already here. This is not an easy time. This is a crucial time. And I'll tell you, if in these early days as a young adult, before you get married, before you have that degree, before you do whatever it is you're going to do, you can get these things in place. I'll tell you, at 35 years old, you can say, I have lost love. Join Paul, whatever it is my gain, I consider lost for the best grace to know Christ. Aha! I like him. I love him. David, how do I sustain passion in my heart? Number one, spend time with God every day. Study. During the course of your years here, you'll be required to do that. We'll fill that little thought, little cards about it. In your prayer meetings here, your first hour will be spend time with God. As you spend time with Jesus, you grow in love with Him, just like when you spend time with an individual, you grow in love with God. Or the opposite. But when you're a perfect person, you're going to grow in love with Him. That's the way it works. You spend time with a flawless person, it's hard to like fall out of love with Him. But anyway, as you spend time with God, you'll grow more. Way that works. 
And I want to tell you this. Your relationship with God really is everything. Say everything. Over the last number of years, I've heard some people that have wanted to kind of challenge some of these concepts, some of these different ideas. I want to tell you this. All the good deeds in the world flow out of a loving God. And it's not to the absence of loving. We don't we don't love God and not do the other things of the kingdom. You can't separate them. So sometimes you hear, you'll hear, you know, hey, well, if you really love God, then you would do this. You know, you would love people in a better way. If you really love God, then you would help out with the poor. Or if you really loved God, you would do missions in a more strategic way or a more passionate way. If you really, if, if, if. One of the things I hear more than ever is this subtle this subtle kind of um, statements towards some individual's personal thing that challenges sitting before God day after day. We don't want to just pray it in prayer. I mean, we don't want to just, you know, sit around and pray all the time and just sit around and love God. No, 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 no. That's, that's error in thinking. Yes, we do want to sit all the time before God and pray and ask him to ignite love in our hearts. Because if we go without that and we become a cause-driven individual, we will not make it for seven years. Jesus himself says, the poor you always have with you, I'm only here for a short time. <laughs> the bottom line is, if you're cause-driven, in time it's easy to not become person-driven. We want to be people-driven in the sense of God and God alone. He's who we want. And I promise you this, if you'll spend time alone with God every day, the specific thing that he's called you to will come alive in your heart. And you, in loving God, you will love people, you will love the poor, you will love missions, you will love downtown, you will love all these other things, but you've got to keep your heart before God. You can't get the cart before the horse. Are you with me? So don't think, well, you know, realistically, if I'm going to really do something with my life, maybe I should slow down in the area of spending time with God so that I could accelerate in another way. You can do that for a short time, but in time you'll burn out. You were made to commune with God. You were made to spend time with Him and cultivate an interior castle of love in your heart. You were made to sit before God, and Jesus is the one that says that Mary has chosen the one thing that's needed. And in the end, relationship is everything. Relationship is everything. Do not forego it. Number two, spend time with people that are going to beckon you to passion for Jesus. Spend time with people that are going to beckon you to passion for Jesus. Second Timothy chapter one. Verse 6, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. In your accountability groups, develop real friendship with those people. Give you your best shot. And, if it, if, and I want to encourage you, develop friendships with people that are going toward passion for God. That's what they want in life. That's where they're headed. 
And in your accountability groups, you're going to sit there, and I want to encourage you to literally take time. You have two hours every week with each other. Spend some time, maybe not every week, but sometimes laying hands on each other and praying for each other. Praying that God would fan into flame the good thing that he has started. And some of you guys, you need to get around the people that you see some elements in them that are lying dormant in you. I mean, they're dead inside of you. And if you see something that is God-word in them and you want it, just be spiritually greedy. Say, I want what you got. Because inevitably, you're going to have Bible boy in your group. And he's going to love the Bible. And he's going to be like, well, Matthew chapter 5, or Malachi too. And, he, and you're like, mm, 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 mm. you're like, how do you know that? And he's going to be like, well, I read the Bible every day. And I love this. Blah, blah. And you're going to be like, at first you're going to be like a little bugged by him. Because at first you're going to be like, kind of annoyed, like, does he think he's better than me? Then you're going to think through it logically and go, okay, that's my pride. And then you're going to go, actually, I need what he has. Then I want you to go up to Bible Boy and say, hey, listen, um, I want to love the scriptures the way you love the scriptures. And then take his hand and say, all right, I want you to pray for me. All right? And then, and then if there's a Bible Boy in your accountability group, have Bible Boy pray for you. Because what happened is, is that he'll pray for you and God will do a work within you. And all of a sudden, you'll be some, I'll never forget. I, I was 18 years old and I remember meeting a kid like that. I had grown up in church my whole life and I thought that, that reading the Bible was just like fasting. Everybody secretly hated it, you know, <laughs> but pretend to like it, you know, because we were Christian. And I met this kid and he, like we were traveling together and he would get up and I kid you not, he would read his Bible from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. and go back to bed. And I thought he was nuts. And at first I thought it was so fake. Like I didn't believe him because he told me that. And I was like, yeah, right. You know, I was like, hey. And I thought I was like, you liar. You know, like there, there's no way any shape. And then we go on this trip together. And every night he would get up at 2 a.m. and read the Bible from 2 to 4 and go back to bed. And so I went through that, that phase. At first I hated him. And then I realized that was my pride. And then finally I was like, dude, will you pray for me? <laughs> All right? But if you have someone in your accountability group that's like that, ask them. Say, hey, I want you to pray for me. All right? You're going to have, I'm, just, I'm not trying to be stereotypical here. I'm just telling you that in the process of community and hanging out together, these are some of the good things that we can pull out of each other. All right? All right? So now, bear with me on this because it's going to offend some of you. Right? Tell me you're, you're going to meet, you know, little... Little Mr. Sexually Pure Man. All right, there you go. Just there it is. And this transcends gender. Girls, you can make this for your own, all right? And guys, just bear with me here, all right? But in your accountability groups, there's a real war going on over your brain. And there's the kid in your group. And you're confessing sin after sin every week. And he's like, I don't struggle with that. 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 And over time, you're not embarrassed. Or you're embarrassed. And you're like, well, I feel like I want to stop saying because this kid's kind of perfect. And uh, he's got no problems. And I don't even know, you know, like, if uh, are we cut out of the same thing? I mean, we're both guys here. And you're going to feel some of that. And he's going to have resisted sin to the point where he's not struggling with that, and you need to go up to sexually pure man and say, hey, bro, yeah, you're, you're all the above. <laughs> you're you're going to feel like, you know, Paul incarnate here in a minute, all right? And you're going to say, pray for me, all right? And rather than allowing, the, in these little accountability groups, rather than allowing tensions and comparisons to develop, when you see a Godward trait in another person, take their hand and say, I want what you have, man, and have them pray for you. Are you with me? 
It's just your pride that's resisting it. Trust me, I know. I've been doing accountability groups for a long time. And I see my pride every year. All right? So uh, I, I want you to do that. You're, you're going to have a lot of this. You're going to have, I'll pick on the ladies. Ladies, you're going to have the girl that just is, is, she's voice of God girl. She's like, well, the Lord just showed me this, and the Lord spoke to me this. And then I was just walking, and I was making a latte, and the Lord said, see how the foam is like the white? And that's how much I love you. And, and everything inside of you, your first response could be like, the girl is nuts. The girl is pulling, God says, when there's no way, God's talking to her up because I'm a friend of God, and God ain't talking to me like that. And... And you're going to have to work through it. And Oh, but I, here's where I want you to get to. I want you to get, and if, if it's real, I mean, and sometimes it's not. So just work with it. But a lot of the time it really is. And the Lord really is talking. The Lord speaks to the scriptures. And the Lord does really speak to people. And go up to the girl or the guy and say, all right, listen, I am hungry to hear the voice of God. And whether you're telling the truth or not, it is far beyond my current experience. And I want to live at the place where you're claiming to live. This is how you'd say it if you're not really sure if you're telling the truth. All right? I want to live at the place where you're claiming to live. And I want you to pray for me. I want you to fan into flame. Fan into flame the good things. There are good things that God has started in individuals that you need. And you will be you will live a greater, accelerated life in God if you go after those. And if you pull those out, if you get those. All right? I can, I can do stereotypes all day long. All right? I mean, seriously, I'm just, I just know these. All right? I'm going to do one more. Just one more. All right? Because this is like, I won't say names, but there's people in this room that are this. All right? But you run into people that are just, they always are happy. They're always filled with joy. All right? And you feel like you are carrying the weight of the world, and the weight of the world is on you, and with the, your financial needs, your lack of education, <laughs> the things that you need, and here's so-and-so, and they're actually far more screwed up than you are, but some, <laughs> but for some reason, they've got the zip of God on their hearts, and they've got joy boys walking around like, what's up, you know? And here's what... If you, if you run into people that have, have found strength in God, in these little community groups, these accountability groups, all right, take time and say, brother, I want you, God. I want the joy of the Lord to be my strength. And right now, outward circumstance is dictating my aura and my spirit. And I know it's wrong, all right? But I want what you have, all right? Get around people. Get around people that have passion for God's elements. And ask them to pray for you. Mimic them. Mimic them. Mimic them. Mimic them. Mimic them. Copy them. Get around people that get around people that are going somewhere in God. Alright? You say, well, David, aren't we supposed to be around the lost? Aren't we supposed to be absolutely? And I'm not saying that to be neglect of those things. I will tell you this that if you forego hanging out with Christians, with the saints, if you give up on godly fellowship. In time, you will become just like the world. You'll become like the people that theoretically are committed to reaching. But in reality, your heart's grown quietly cold, and you care about the things they care about over time. You have to stay connected. I have to stay connected. I know it. All right? Um, last one. This is a big one. Do not let anyone 
steal your passion. Do not let anyone steal your passion. Turn to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 7. It says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? The kind of per- this, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Don't let anybody else steal your passion. Every, every scheme of the enemy will be to steal your passion. There will be plans of the enemy to come and to take it. People will want you to be compassionate about what they're passionate about. Right? You see it in the entertainment world? Right? They want you to become passionate about um, an ungodly sex life. They want you to become passionate about pain. Maybe they want you to become hyper-passionate about education because they're passionate about education and they're going to judge you on your worth based upon your education. Or if you watch The Apprentice, money, money, money. What if you had it all? And if by it all, it means you had money, you had everything. Did you develop this inner longing to get what they have? robbed of your passion. The easiest thing in the world is to lose your passion. Worldly friends will try to tell you that the answer is fun. And they'll gradually steal your passion for Jesus by, by redirecting it to a passion for fun and pleasure. Ex-girlfriend that you have, the ex-girlfriend, yeah, she'll want to be her. Alright? She is the one who should be passionate about her. Alright? Name what it is. Work, success, the one you to be successful with, money, whatever it is. Because the devil wants you to be passionate about anything except God. If you're passionate about anything except God, he wins. He knows Revelation 3 says that Jesus says, If you're lukewarm, I'm going to puke you out of my mouth. And misery loves company, and the devil is going to forever be crushed and hurled down, is what it says in Revelation 12. Misery loves company. He wants to take you with him. He wants to take you with him. Jesus wants passion. He wants your affection. The enemy wants you passionate or affectionate about anything else. Because if he gets that, then he can calm down the narrowness and the focus of your gaze on Christ and Christ alone. On only Jesus. Your passion is finite. You have a finite amount of passion. Just like God has all money and God has all fame and God has all those things. He's infinite. God has infinite passion. Infinite love. It's like it's like the Atlantic Ocean times 10 billion. Alright? Alright? I mean, it's just infinite. Alright? If God has the Pacific Ocean times 10 billion, then you have the kitty swimming pool at Walmart that's $8.88 down the road on a cabin. You've just got, I know because I have one. You, you have this uh, amount that you have. And you've got 70 years on the earth. You've got finite amount of time. Not infinite. You have finite amount of dollars. Finite amount of moments. Finite amount of energy. And the way that you spend that finite amount of affection. When I say spend your affection, I mean how you spend your time your dollars, your focus, your brain power, whatever you have. God wants money. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
And once you start throwing out a little bit of your water out of your little baby baby pool, a little bit on this, a little bit on that, a little bit on this, a little bit on that, and oh, come on. What does it matter if I give every Wednesday night to this TV show? Maybe if I, you know, I'm sexually immoral with my boyfriend here. Uh, after all, hey, I'm still a virgin after all. And you just throw out a little bit. You only have a little bit of time on planet Earth. And you want all of that. All of it to go to one thing. This one thing is what matters. I've given you my whole heart. I want to love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. Please stand with me. Stretch out your hands like this. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you so much. We've decided to be a tribe, a band of people, a community, a brotherhood, a fellowship that loves you with everything. God, 7, 10, 20 years from now, we so desire to be people that haven't lost heart. We want to be people that 10 years from now are stronger in our inner man. We haven't just maintained passion or sustained passion, but it's been accelerated. We desire that you would receive a great reward from our hearts. Hearts fully in love, fully devoted, fully passionate, fully consecrated. Holy Spirit, come. I pray for a divine strength on every 20-year-old, every 25-year-old place. Give them strength. Honor you. Love you. Everybody shout amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand. Come on. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.